This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast, the podcast where we talk to brewery owners and ask questions about owning a brewery so that future brewery owners can learn a thing or two. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, then your destination is completely unknown. Speaking of, this is episode number 78. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Candiano, co-owner of Destination Unknown Beer Company in Bayshore, New York, or Dubco for short. Chris tells us about the learning process he had to endure while opening Dubco, how a Kickstarter helped to fund their tap system, and how starting their brewery without all the knowledge they needed to open led them to learn and hustle to make things work. Sort of just throwing themselves right into the fire. That's kind of how I started with this podcast. No idea what I'm doing. Still don't know what I'm doing. And we're 78 episodes in. Will I ever learn? Huh. The world may never know. But what I do know is you're about to enjoy an episode of the Brew World Order podcast featuring Chris Candiano. Sit back, relax, crack open a cold one, and enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order podcast. And today I'm with Chris Candiano of Dubco, or rather Destination Unknown Beer Company in Bayshore, New York. Chris, how's it going? All right, it's going great. Thanks for uh, for having yeah, me. I've been thank you for being on. Going back and forth trying to get this interview done, but uh, glad we got to finally sit down and do it. Yeah, it's happening, man. It's happening. The magic's happening. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, uh, could you give us a, a quick round? You know, where you grew up, uh, what you did before the brewery, and then how you how ultimately sure. you wound up opening a brewery. Yeah, so I guess the uh, kind of boilerplate for my story is, uh, you know, I'm I'm born and raised on Long Island, and uh, West Islip, uh, brewery is located in Bayshore, so you know we uh, we wanted to be close to uh, you know the area we knew when we, we first opened a brewery. Um, my background is in construction. Um, you know, one of those family companies that I took over and ran for twenty something years. Gotcha. But um, you know where I, where I kind of got into craft beer was uh, my days in college. I went to SUNY Oswego, and uh, back then. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a lot of Labatt drinking and Budweiser drinking, and uh, me and my one buddy at the time were, were trying to seek out something a little bit, you know, more interesting. So we, we found, like, the senior bar in town, and they, they had craft beer. And, uh, you know, like the late 90s and early 2000s, craft beer back then was, you know, Sierra Nevada or uh, Sam Adams and uh, a lot of imports, you know, a lot of Belgian, German, and English beers. So that's that's kind of where I got my, my love and passion for craft beer, per se, or just better beer than what most, you know, college kids right. were drinking. So, um, you know, we kind of kind of learned the ropes on a lot of Belgian styles and a lot of English styles. Well, to this day, one of my favorite beers is uh, Sam Smith's Tadacasta Porter, you know, that's... Uh, just a classic beer that I still love to this day. And that's kind of what uh, drove me to, you know, seek out more interesting beers and then go down the rabbit hole of craft beer. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of where I came from in the, in the beer industry. That led to me, you know, into trying to homebrew myself. You know, I thought, hey, these are some cool styles. I want to explore more. I've only found so much. Maybe uh, maybe I'll take a shot at that, making it, you know. So that led me into into homebrewing um, back in the 
like the early 2000s. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where it came from and um, where where we, we started to go was the more I got into homebrewing, um, back then there weren't many, you know, there weren't podcasts, there weren't websites, there weren't Reddits about, you know, all this information. So I just started buying, you know, every book I could about like homebrewing and, and brewing in general. And that was kind of my, my knowledge base for, for my right. brewing, my brewing, uh, studies. Um, and then, you know, a few years after, after being a, a, a pretty avid home brewer, I ran into, uh, an old friend who I hadn't seen in a while, who after high school and college moved out to Arizona and uh, we literally just ran into each other at 7-Eleven one day. I was going to buy a beer, and he was going to buy a beer, and we kind of connected, and uh, we're catching up on what we were both doing in life. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'm grabbing a six-pack, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to, to brew some beer. He's like, oh, I'm into home brewing too. So that kind of, you know, led into the next step, you know, when I uh, reconnected with Brad, who, who founded Dubco with me. Um, over reconnecting after not seeing each other for many years and our love of craft beer and home brewing and uh, that kind of that hobby just snowballed out of control you know we were I was like home brewing like once or twice a month and then once or twice a week you know so we were we were pretty into it at the time and uh, you know where where he was in his situation he was uh, you know in his mid-20s and living with uh, two younger brothers, so it was kind of like a frat house right. mentality, right? So everyone's not hanging out drinking anyway. So uh, all the beer we were homebrewing was being drank right away by like all these all these guys that would just hang out at this kind of frat house. And uh, you know the beer got better, and we brewed it more frequently. And you know the consensus was like, this stuff's pretty good. You know, maybe you guys want to like go a little further. You know, in 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 the craft beer thing. And, you know, it seemed like a crazy idea at the time, but where we were in our lives, we're like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's, let's take a shot at it. You know, back then there was maybe, maybe 10 breweries on Long Island, you know, and, uh, no one was really doing kind of the stuff that we were looking to do. So we said, screw it. You know, we, uh, we started looking for a location. We had, you know, very specific criteria on, you know, if we were to open a brewery, where would we want it to be? What do we want to make? You know, what do we want the vibe to be? So uh, we looked for almost two years before we found, you know, the location that Dubco and Bayshore is currently in. Um, you know, we started small. We started too small. You know, it was just the two of us and a couple grand each, you know, covering rent and minimal equipment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it took off. And we, we, we soon found out that we were very, you know, uh, underprepared for what it actually is to run a brewery. You know, we approached it as home brewers, brewing beer and selling it. And that, that is not the case. I do not recommend it. You know, we get that question a lot. You know, I'm a home brewer. I went over to brewery. What should I do? You don't do it unless you have like an investor with a million bucks and endless time and energy. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you learn very early on. Like, man, this this was a fun hobby. Now it is a serious right. business, you know? So that's, that's kind of where, uh, you know, that's what kind of where we came from. And, uh, yeah. So what would you say was, uh, one, one of those biggest learning processes, uh, when you first opened? 
I would say definitely the biggest learning process is um, managing inventory. Um, you know, we started out with a small little tap room. Uh, we were lucky that right off the bat we had like a really solid following. And uh, literally uh, the day of our grand opening was the day of our grand closing. You know, we, we opened and sold out everything we had made over the past two months. Great. And uh, had to start all over again from the beginning and uh, brew a bunch of new batches of beer and then and then try it again. Right. And then uh, day two that we were open was also another day we sold out everything we made and had to close for another month. You know, so um, we, we looked at it from, you know, more of a hobbyist standpoint than a legit business. And um, that that was a quick, a, a quick lesson in, you know, how to. How to not start a business is, you know, you definitely have to take it seriously and assume that you're going to have a hit, you know. We, we were, you know, very anxious and worried. Is anybody going to come? Is, you know, is anybody going to like our beer? We, we already knew that. But those are kind of like, I guess, the nerves you have when, when you start a business or a company, right? right? And, uh, you know, we learned early on that this is not, you know, uh, just something for fun anymore. This is a legit operation, and right. we have to prepare and plan, and you know, and, and learn that really quick. So when you when you guys opened, uh, you basically said that you had a couple thousand dollars and whatnot. But did you have to go find funding, and how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so I mean, we found our uh, our location that we're in in Bayshore, and uh, you know, we had enough between us to cover rent for a few months. It was a small build out. It was basically just cobbled together, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I was in construction, so I, I'm, I'm handy, I put everything together, you know, leftover materials, some other jobs and stuff, so that was the easy part. Um, you know, waiting for town approval, you know, we, we had basically enough to cover to open, to get us to opening. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we didn't really seek outside funding in the beginning, um, as we got closer, one of the one of the other things that we obviously didn't realize, like, okay, we have we're opening a bar. To open a bar, you need a tap system. You know, the tap system at the time I think was about ten thousand dollars, which we didn't have. So um, we did a Kickstarter to kind of raise uh, some more money to finish the build out and uh, get that tap system installed and some other last minute you know things we right. needed to open. So um, you know, we did that in like the uh, the the winter of uh, around 2015, and we were fortunate enough to raise about $25,000, you know, to, to kind of give us that last yeah, minute right. push to uh, get all these things done to open. It's awesome. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was great, and another stressful, you know, situation doing a Kickstarter, you know, like, are, are we going to raise enough to get us to that finish line so we can actually open? Yeah, for sure. You know? And luckily, I mean, I said in the beginning when you were homebrewing, there wasn't that, uh, you know, a lot of internet and, you know, Reddit and all that stuff. But now, as time went on, I'm sure the internet coming play helped immensely, you know. Yeah. I mean, there, there a lot of people also ask us, um, you know, were we part of a homebrew club? You know, and uh, when I started homebrewing, I wasn't even aware it was such a thing as, as homebrew clubs. You know, I, I wish, I wish I had known about that. You know, I, I, where 
we're involved with a lot of local homebrew clubs today. We do, you know, fundraisers with them. We do events with them. And it's such a great community because you have all these like-minded people, you know, doing their own thing, but then coming together, you know, at these, they do fun, you know, brew events, they do fun meetings where you can bounce ideas off of someone who's more seasoned, you know, than, than maybe you were when you started. Or, you know, you run into some some weird issue that someone's like, oh, yeah, I know I know exactly what's going on. Try this. You know, I, I really wish we had that that kind of uh, sure. you know, resource when we first started. Um, so it's uh, yeah, between, you know, homebrew clubs and I know there's a lot of tasting clubs and stuff these days. And I, literally you could find anything sure. on the Internet, yeah. <laughs> you know, in 2022. So... Uh, yeah, it was kind of one of those grassroots things where, you know, if you if you were running into some weird thing during uh, fermentation, you know, you, you'd have to scour, you know, piles of books and try and figure it out. Where, you know, like today you can... The guy who brings the beer. Pretty much Google. Yeah. You pretty much type in Google yeah. and you'll get an answer in three seconds, you know. But, I didn't um, get that. It's... Uh, yeah, it's a completely different world, you know, in, in brewing and homebrewing these days. I think one of the coolest things but I think about, for the better. about homebrew clubs is basically at some point you're going to be, you know, meeting up with guys, meeting up with these people that you're homebrewing with. And then one day that's going to be the next brewery down the street from you. you know? Absolutely. You know, and then that that's that's also what I was like, you know, alluding to the fact that, you know, there's so many more resources out there today when someone does decide to take the leap to become a professional brewer, they're, they're ahead of the curve already, you know? And, um, you know, as, as one of almost 50 breweries on Long Island right now, um, you know, I, I hope, you know, I think, I think everybody has a a place and everyone has their own kind of avenue for where they want to be in the brewing industry. But when someone opens up a new brewery, you know, the beer is already pretty good. you You know, when we first opened up, the beer was okay. You know, some of it was just okay. Some of it was better than others. You know, guys are coming out, opening breweries, and the beer is already really good. You know, which is which better for the industry. You know, for sure. I want I want the industry as a whole to do well. You know, if we have a customer that's just getting into craft beer, and they had their first brewery experience, it should be positive. You know, I want I want the, that new craft beer generation to have a positive experience at, the, at their. You know. Yeah. Or I say that all the time with my buddy that, like, you know, you go into a place and it's, you know, sometimes you got to dump a beer because it could be that f- person's first time coming to that brewery. And if they taste that beer and you're like, this place, no good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe someone will remember a couple of great beers they had, but they're definitely going to remember a bad beer they had, you know? Of course. Yeah, so, that's um, true. You know, I, I think that's that's great for the industry is, you know, all, all the resources that are available and, uh, you know, between what's available on the Internet and what's available at these, these homebrew clubs, it's really it's really pushing the industry. For sure. Uh, and what's something when getting into, you know, opening a brewery, what's something you never thought you were going to have to deal with? Uh, the amount <laughs> basically the amount of money it takes to run this place it's astronomical you know coming from a background where I had my own construction company and I had you know I had maybe two or three employees at a time 
you know, like that weekly payroll number from one or two employees to, you know, now we have seven full-time staff in Bayshore and another about 10 part-time. And we have our second location that's open and there's another two full-time staff and, uh, you know, another five or six part-time. Just the, basically the amount of money it takes to keep the, the lights on is, is astronomical, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you know, if you find good help, you want to keep them. You know, from, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, um, hard, it's hard to find good help nowadays, for sure. It is. And there, people. there are still, you know, labor shortages, and we could probably use a couple more hands, sets of hands. But, um, you know, I think I think we do we do right by our employees. We take care of them. You know, they're, you know, they're our, our front line. They're the face of the company at the end of the day, you know, like, and it starts from at the top all the way to the bottom, you know, from, from brewing to packaging to pouring that beer to get that in that customer's hands. It goes through a lot of time and a lot of people, you know, and you want to make sure that those are, you know, competent, well-trained and well-compensated employees. You know, so I think that was, you know, back when I started, I would never think, you know, that this fun little hobby turned business would be kind of what it is today, you know, and we're still growing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what are some qualities that you possess that make you a good business owner? I like to think that I'm like quick on my feet in terms of problem solving. Um, you know, uh, an environment like a brewery is literally and figuratively a lot, a lot of moving parts and there's an issue or a problem or something broken every single day. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's where I, I, I excel is, you know, I could just think and act quickly on my feet, adjust, you know, adjust to basically what the brewery throws at me every day, you know, yeah, right. that's probably the most integral part of, of owning a brewery is, you know, you can plan as much as you want. You have, you know, everything set up, what you think is, is going to go, you know, the way it's going to go. And, and there's always a wrench thrown in the spokes literally yeah. every day. From what I'm hearing is, you know, basically got to be a jack of all trades, uh, being able to do a plumbing, a little construction, a little this and all, you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my background kind of lends to that aspect of like just being right. handy in general, but literally being able to, to jump into a situation and, and make decisions and act on, you know, and act on them quickly is, uh, probably the most important part of this business. Gotcha. And uh, if you had to redo one thing since opening your brewery, what would it be? Well, that's kind of like a, a double-sided question for me because as I alluded to earlier, when we first started the business, we were definitely not prepared and definitely underfunded. Okay. Um, so if, if I had to do it again, I would say that's probably what I would try. I would try and you know maybe bring in equity partners or, or, you know, just be a little bit more prepared to, to start a new business. But then the flip side of that is, you know, being underprepared 
and learning those hard lessons early on, I feel, you know, we're, we're integral into like who we are today. You know, we literally had to, you know, scrap it together and make it work, you know? So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's what made us who we are today is that, you know, we, we literally started with nothing and uh, how to make it, figure out how to make it work. You know, if, if we School had hard knocks, pretty much, you know, if like we had some, some angel investor that gave us a million bucks and was like, here, buy what you need, do what you need to do to open. I don't know if we'd be the same people we are today, you know, like right. it, it's kind of trial by fire situation, right? Right. Yeah. Right into the lines then. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, I like to, uh, you know, I, I try not to play Monday morning quarterback, you know, there's always something you could have done differently. And I feel like, you know, every, everything is kind of a lesson and you, you learn from it, move on. But I, I usually don't like to like look back and perseverate and say like, Oh, we should have done this differently. You know, that's, I feel like that's very detrimental, you know, in, in business and in personal as well. You know, everything's learning experience. You look at what you did. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. You, you move on, you know, and try not to, 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 to second guess yourself. That's, you know, there, there, there are times when I, I kind of dip into that for a minute and I have to get it out of my head because that's all I'll focus on. Gotcha. And, how do you define success? For me, success is, you know, walking into the brewery and seeing my customers and my employees happy. You know, that's successful for me. You know, when I can create uh, a positive experience for our customers in the tap room and a positive and fun working environment for the staff, you know, we, we're, we're a big family here. Um, you know, we, we support 10 families with our business, you know, and to see everybody doing well and and striving for their best and succeeding and, and when they're happy at work, that's, that's, I feel like I, I'm successful. That's great. You know, and is there a moment that kind of sticks out for you? I mean, we work, we work, we make beer for a living. That's like the best job, right? Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing I've ever done, you know. It beats swinging a hammer. I'll tell you that. No, that beats up your body after a while. I'm sure. I know brewing is not not the east thing, but uh, yeah, construction's a little worse on the knees. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. I did. I did the payoff in days. Yeah, I did it for 12 years uh, prior to getting to the FDNY, so I I know firsthand, and it's it's brutal. It's brutal. Um, And. I'm sure you've come along, you come across a lot of people in the brewing industry. Uh, is who do you think's inspired you the most? Um, I definitely have like uh, my short list of people who have inspired and also helped us along the way. Actually, today um, there's uh, we're doing a collab okay. with Common Roots. They're outside of Saratoga. Um, those guys are great friends super helpful knowledgeable and you know they're they're an inspiration to us a few years back um their whole facility burned down and they kind of like rose from the ashes and became this bigger better company from it so you know those guys are definitely an inspiration they're they're great friends of ours from the beginning and uh i'm happy they're here today we're brewing a beer that uh we originally brewed about four years ago back in 2018 so we're excited about that 
and then um, you know, there's there's like those those old school guys that um, from the beginning when we were like, yeah, we're gonna do this, that were you know very encouraging and very helpful. Uh, one of those guys is Steve Minsky from Barrage. You know, like when when we were first opening up, he was kind of like this salty old dog, you know, who would kind of try and steer us in the right direction and keep us out of trouble and keep us from making stupid mistakes. Um, you know, like, uh, Greg Mache from, uh, Great South Bay, you know, he's, uh, okay. he's another West Islip guy, but is, you know, significantly younger than me, but has significantly more brewing knowledge than I do. And he was super helpful, you know, from, from day one in, uh, you know, planning to even, you know, he would come here after work and help us like put shit together. You know, he's just another one of those like really solid guys. We're, we're lucky to have a lot of a lot of great relationships in this industry, you know? Um, I, I, I mean, there's, there's probably a hundred people I can name, you know, but right at the top, like those two in the beginning were, right. were the most helpful to us. Um, another guy like Mike, Mike from Port Jeff Brewing, he was another guy that was very helpful, you know, day one, before day one, that uh, we're, we're lucky, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those industries where 99% of the people are there to help you, you know, in, in, in any situation, you know. Yeah. I feel so like uh, like a lot of brewers or just guys in the brewing industry or just very they want they want to help. It's like it's like almost like when you're uh, like in the fast for instance when I'm working on something and you know, there'll be nobody in that room and the moment I start like using a tool or something it's just like everybody starts coming. What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, you need help? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. It's like the curiosity. And you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, how many ways are there to skin a cat? You know, every, everybody you know can get to that common goal, and there, there, you know, people do things in, in just different ways that you find interesting. You know, there's always there's always room for improvement. There's always room to learn a different technique or just even you know. How, Right, a yeah. better way to hook up a hose or something, you know. It, it, it's, there's such a great knowledge base out there, and everyone's always pumped to share a cool new thing they did with you, or you you want to share with them, you know, what you what you're up to. Um, so that that's that's another one of those things that that really makes this like one of the best industries out there. Gotcha. And I'm I'm sure you know owning pretty much any business, um, including a brewery. I can get stressful at times. How important is a mental break for you? And what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I, I work on constantly. You know, it's it's super tough to separate work and your personal life. And I don't know if I don't know if that's ever a hundred percent possible. You know, um, at least for me. Um, but that's the kind of personality I have. I'm I'm, I'm an Italian, and I'm. I'm like, you know, very passionate about everything and uh, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So that's probably a character flaw more than a character trait. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's just who I am so and good. that's kind of the way I just live my life. Right. Um, I, I also, you know, I work with my wife. My wife, you know, is kind of like my right hand in the company at this point. You know, so it is very hard to separate work from personal life and, and kind of have those mental breaks. Um. And for me, that could just be, you know, like, 
honestly, the best mental break sometimes is even if I'm like just, you know, finishing working in the office or in the brewery and just like walking into the tap room and sitting down and having a beer with a customer, you know, like I know I'm still at work and I know it's about work, but like just sitting down and enjoying like that product that all these people just broke their ass to make and sitting down with a customer and we're both enjoying it and just having a normal conversation. Like those are, those are nice moments of tranquility right. for me, you know? Beautiful thing. Um, yeah. And then, you know, this, this summer we, we were lucky that, uh, we took a family trip to Italy. Um, that's been on hold for a few years for, you know, obvious reasons. Nice. And, uh, uh, we were everywhere in Italy, you know, Rome, Tuscany, awesome. just, it just, it was a, it was a nice long trip. And it was, uh, one of the first times in about eight years or 10 years that like, there were, there were many moments where I disconnected, didn't even think about work for a minute, you know? Perfect. We, uh, <laughs> at this stage in the game, you know, we have, we have a great, a great staff and, uh, a reliable, responsible staff. Right. And, uh, you know, there, there are those moments that creeps into the back of your head, like, oh my God, what's going on, you know, nine hours away. But, um, I, I was able to finally disconnect, you know, a little bit for the first time in like a decade, you know, so awesome. it was, it was good. And then, you know, you get right back into it and, you know, kind of forget about those peaceful moments because you're back in the chaos. Right. But that's, I strive, I strive and I live in the chaos every day. You know, I don't know what I would do. You know, I, usually on vacation, I'm that guy that's like, you know, if I'm sitting on a beach, I last 10 minutes and I'm like getting, get antsy and shaking. Like, all right, what are we doing? What are we doing? You Life know, of I'm, an entrepreneur, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't take uh, rest and relaxation well. Did you? Uh, were you able to find any breweries in Italy? They were. They were few and far between. You know, uh, we. You know, we were, we were in in Tuscany and you know Chianti and we were in wine country. Right. So I was kind of on a wine trip when I was there, and I definitely was seeking out breweries. They were harder to find than uh, than I anticipated. You know, and. Uh, when I did find, I found a couple, and it was just like a totally different experience than, than I would say a, an American craft beer experience. You know, it's a tiny little tasting area. You know, it wasn't the, the two places that I found was, weren't like places you would just like go and hang out and drink beers. You know, gotcha. um, I found a bunch of great craft beer bars, but um, not really like that brewery experience. I think that we're used to here. Right. Completely different, I'm sure. Um, and what do you think's been the biggest change in the industry in the last five years? Biggest change? I mean, in the last five years, there have been so many different things between, you know, obviously COVID, right? Right. Um, I mean, that was that was a huge kind of blip on the radar, right? I mean, at that point, anyone who owned a brewery had to go to basically canning everything they, they brewed. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the first thing that jumps out is, you know, coming out of this, this dark ages of COVID is every single brewery pretty much cans their beer and like distributes that beer nowadays. You know, you, you can walk into any beer distributor and the craft beer section is, you know, 10 times bigger than it used to be, you know, yeah. and, you obviously have all local stuff, you know, most New York stuff, but then 
you're starting to see some, you know, some West Coast breweries that you would never think would be distributed uh, on the East Coast popping up. You know, so that's that's definitely something that we we've seen, you know, in the last couple of years. Is in terms for us, you know, we, we're we're a medium-sized brewery that packages, you know, pretty much everything we brew. Is you know, the uh, kind of the, the shelf space becoming increasingly more crowded. You know, so um, we we just recently opened up a second location uh, in upstate New York in Warwick in the Hudson Valley. And, you know, we kind of looked at that scenario and we're like, all right, maybe maybe let's pull back a little bit on how much we're canning, put more into kegs. And, uh, you know, for us, expanding our, our footprint into on-premise accounts, you know, bars and restaurants, and then also diverting, you know, some more product to our new location, you know, on tap. Um, you know, everyone, you know, loves all this access to all these new new brands that are coming out new styles that are coming out but you know for us i feel like everything's getting a little saturated and uh we feel like it's it's in our best interest to pull back a little bit on what we're putting out there you know it it doesn't do anybody good you know like if we just keep firing cases off at these these beer distributors and you know they're they're sitting on a shelf because there's literally a thousand other options you know i'd like to keep it a little bit more limited and uh, you know, like just put out a small amount of great product, and just keep pumping out large amounts. Yeah, we still believe in that our product is the best out there, obviously. But like just keeping it at a manageable level for everybody, from the consumer down. You know, even even for our, our tap rooms, you know, keep it manageable, keep it rotating and fresh. You know, so that's kind of what I've seen in the industry the past couple of years is just, you know, everyone was at this like freight train forward, you know, just keep pumping beer out and keep selling it. And, uh, like for us, I think pumping the brakes a little and keeping the product rotating and fresh and, uh, more in our control has been, you know, what, what, where, where we are, where we're going to keep going right now. Sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, I, Prior to talking about like pumping out cans, and I mean prior to COVID, um, I I think the the first time I heard about your brewery was from Pete, and uh, he had this place called Home Brewer Hand Grenades. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, he, he yeah. works at, at it's uh, NASA, at NASA, right? Yes. Oceanside yes, or something. It, it Baldwin, actually, I think it's Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, he was like, yeah. He's like, you got to check that place out. I was like, all right. And then I came out there. I was like, wow, that's right. He was. He said one of the one of the best on Long Island. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, so yeah, that was uh, phenomenal. Um, and you homebrew for a long time. If you had to pass on one homebrew tip to homebrewers, what would it be? I I I. You know, kind of cut my teeth on learning how to brew traditional styles of beer. You know, like it. it the, the obvious thing is that if you want to jump into brewing beer, like you just want to brew a crazy IPA or something. You know, something that you tried out at a brewery or at a bar. But I think it's really important um, to kind of to know the traditional styles and to learn how to brew them. You know, anyone anyone can make wort and throw in ten pounds of hops or something. But um, 
and maybe I'm just you know an old school guy, but I, I, I think it's important to know and, the basics. You know, the basics. Know what a traditional style like a Belgian a Belgian ale or an English bitter or something like that. Know what it's supposed to taste like, and then try brewing that. You know, it's they're 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 traditional beers for a reason. They've been around forever for a reason. You know, and uh, I, I think that's super important. You know, I think we're in a space now where where craft beer is kind of shifting back towards that. When, when we opened up, you know, I think maybe our first five, five or ten beers, you know, we, we had Belgians on there. We had a, an English special better on there, you know. Obviously, we had an IPA. It was a very different IPA than what we were drinking today. But there were, you know, the majority of the beers we were putting out in 2015 were, were traditional styles. You know, and then we, we kind of nailed down the basics and then started you know, kind of fucking around, right. you know, so gotcha. that, that would be my advice to anybody that like really wants to get into home brewing or just brewing in general, like go out there, drink your, drink yourself through like a lot of these traditional older styles, know what beer, where it came from, you know, you got, yeah, one of those like cliches, you got to know where you came from to know where you're going, right? Right. I think that that's super important. Master your 101 classes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Don't just uh, jump into a IPA, you know? Yeah, right. And I know you're open for about eight years now. Yep. Is that right? Okay. Uh, and you just opened up and you opened up in, in Warwick. Congratulations on that. But um, Thank you. what do you think the future looks like for Dubco? Um, I would say like the next 10 years, my, my little... Uh, you know, my project, I would say it's, it's way more than just a project, but like for us going forward, um, our focus is, uh, sustainability. You know, we, we've seen a lot, you know, especially coming, going through COVID coming out of it. These crazy, you know, crazy inflation, supply chain issues. Um, you know, so sustainability is kind of our long-term goal, you know, in Bayshore, um, we, we rent our location. It's a lease on a building, you know, in our, our Warwick location, we own that property. Right. It's a 50 acre farm. So, um, you know, we can invest a lot more time, energy and money into making that what we want as our, our forever home, you know, and that, that entails, you know, we, we build out our new production space there. Um, it's trying to make, you know, a green building, utilize solar power and, uh, water reclamation technologies, and uh, you know we're we're growing we're growing our own grain up there. Um, so just you know, kind of mitigating as many outside factors as we can, right? Um, that's that's been a challenge, um, and I don't know I don't know what the future holds, but I just know that the past few years there have been so many challenges, you know, and they, they're outside factors that you have no control over. You know, so taking control over as many of those factors as we can over the next 10 years, hopefully, is, is kind of our, our, our goal right now. Yeah. Well, being able to uh, grow your own grain is, is a huge one, man. Cuts out. Cuts out. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's something that, um, you know, I wouldn't say a few years ago I would have even considered, you know, but um, it's... Uh, 
we found this property. We weren't necessarily looking for a farm for our next location. I was looking for something that, you know, I can own a building or, you know, just, um, especially, especially in Warwick. We wanted to be in Warwick. My wife's family's in Warwick. Um, but once we found this farm, we kind of looked at it through different eyes, right? You know, we have, we have this amazing culture of farm, you know, this, this farm culture, and uh, this opportunity to, you know, kind of shift the business in that in that direction, right? You know, like we, we source all these ingredients from all over the country, all over the world. You know, like how, how can we like kind of reduce our impact and, and, and reduce these supply chain issues and reduce all these outside factors that are just like killing every small business right now, right? right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where when we first saw the property, my wife's like, well, what the hell are we going to do with a 50-acre farm? And I was like, what are we not going to do with it? You know, what are we not going to do with this? We could do pretty much anything here, you know? For sure. So, um, and I think that kind of was like the mentality that I had coming out of COVID, you know, like we got shut down for however long and then we're allowed to open, but you can only be outside and you had to be sitting down and like there were it was, it was ridiculous, right? You know, so I'm like, fuck it. We're buying up, we're buying this huge farm and everyone could just spread out and do what they want. And, you know. Right. <laughs> Sounds like so. a great idea to me. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that, I, like you said, with this whole supply chain thing, I thought, I think that's a phenomenal idea because who knows, who knows where this all goes. <laughs> yeah, and it's just—it's a fun—it's a fun project, side project, you know. Like, yeah. I'm, now I'm playing farmer, right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love it. I'm an—I'm an outdoors, very hands-on person, so I love it as well. Uh, and if somebody was opening up their own place, uh, what advice would you give them? Be prepared to give up the rest of your life for for this business it's all consuming you know like once again i'm one of those person and one of those people that are just like whatever i do i'm all in you know that's just who i am and to 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 be in this business to open a brewery is that that's who you have to be it's all consuming it's all the time there are no set hours it's hard on your family it's hard on your friends it's hard on your body. It's hard on your your bank account. It's hard on your 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 mental state. It's it's not for the faint of heart. You know, it's uh it's an all consuming kind of situation. Understood. And uh, yeah. did you happen to have a funny story for us? I uh, it, when you asked me before in the uh, we started the podcast, I I was thinking about something and it came up. It came up uh, the other day, and uh, this goes back a bunch of years. When, well, I was still probably working construction, working the brewery and bartending. You know, back in back in the early days, I wore every hat. You know, like we all tend to do. And uh, even to this day, you have people that come into the tap room and they'll ask a bartender, like, you know, there's a huge list of beers that we make that are on tap. And you'll still get customers that ask, like, oh, uh, what kind of beer do you have? Or what's like a Bud Light? Or like, what's like a Stella? Or, you know. So we're, we're all used to that, you know. And there was this one time, like, a, a bachelor party came in, and I was bartending. 
it was a busy Saturday, so I was already like in the weeds, and I was kind of pissed that this bachelor party came in, and it's a bunch of bros, like half in the bag already, not knowing what they want, and but they ordered like ten flights, so I'm, I'm even more pissed now. And like the guy's father was with them, and their grandfather was with them, and uh, I, I was getting pretty agitated, just trying to get them, you know, to move on. And there's twenty people, thirty people online, they're holding up. And uh, I fire off like 10 flights and I'm like, all right. And I, the grandfather comes up and, you know, I gave these guys the whole spiel about, you know, like, this is a brewery. This is our beer. If you don't know what you want, you could do a flight. And the guy's standing there listening to my whole spiel. And he comes up and he's like, I'll take a rum and coke. And I, 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 like, I was about to lose my mind. And I just started hysterically laughing. And, you know, that made my day. Like, this old guy is along for this bachelor party, and these kids are just getting shit-faced, and they're bouncing around. And with a, just a straight face, the guy asked me for a rum and coke. And it, it, it honestly, it made my day. And I was like, you know what, man? I wish I could get you a rum and coke right now. Just he was so adamant about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I handed him, like, a lager or something. <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's a Budweiser. Just, grandpa. like, go away. But it was, uh, I, I don't know. That, yeah, it was, I couldn't even get mad at Adam. You know, it was just, uh, I don't know. That one always that one always gets me. I, I was so pissed at this bus that showed up with these drunk guys and this, the, grand, the grandfather asked for Roman Coke. Good old pop. So, it's just, Never fails. you know. Another day in life. So I have a little segment, quick fire five, five quick questions, beer related. Ready? Yep. Uh, Somebody comes into your brewery, what beer do you recommend they try? Uh, Right now our layover lager. It's just uh, super easy, clean drinking lager. And uh, it's the direction I hope that, you know, Operas continuing to go in right now. Is just making good, clean styles. Right. Brew me a lager, a pilsner, with nothing to hide behind. Showing they know how to make beer. Agreed. Uh, favorite brewery of their own? Favorite brewery other than mine? Yeah. Local, international? I mean, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, let's go local, considering I live in the area. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, I'm a huge fan of 27A and what Ryan's doing over at Lindenhurst. Okay. Uh, another another great brewer who started out and is still super small. He's doing like nice clean stuff and then fun experimental stuff. Uh, another another guy, uh, Noble Savage, up in you know Glencoe area. Frank is brewing some awesome beers out of there. And uh, uh, take a take a trip upstate. You know, one of my favorite local breweries to me in Warwick is uh, Rushing Duck. Um, okay. And they're actually actually they're celebrating their tenth anniversary this week, and they're still killing it. You know, they're they're still doing the Lord's work. You know, they're brewing they're brewing stuff they were brewing ten years ago. They're doing fun new stuff. Awesome. And uh, another great brewery by me is uh, Drownlands. They're doing some really cool stuff. They're, they're in Warwick as well. I don't know if I've ever heard of them. They're, yeah, pretty popular right now. They're doing uh, like a lot of wild stuff, fooder age beers, and 
you know, I, I, I like those styles. They're doing IPAs and stuff like that too, but they're doing some nice like saisons and wild ales and food or beers. Awesome. And uh, I'm gonna go with favorite style of beer. Favorite style of beer. Uh, Could be right now in the moment or. Right now at the moment, it's summertime, so crushing lagers. But uh, I usually, like I said, I tend towards like the Belgian beers. Okay. Cezanne Dupont, Bel- you know, Belgian ale or Belgian double. Right. It's my job. Gotcha. Favorite name you've come up with from your beers? You know our, <laughs> we you know how many beers we have. We have over, almost four hundred beers, and most of them are ridiculous names. Yes. Um, I guess right now because it's on tap and it just came out, um, acai, what you did there. Acai. So it's an acai inspired sour beer. Nice. And uh, one of my buddies came up with that because we also have a beer called Berry Necessary. And he, he made a joke like, very necessary. Acai, what you did there. Awesome. So, I like that. My buddy came up with the name, and it's a fun one. Very clever. Uh, and you have a keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Desert Island beer. Tell you what, keg, a keg for two weeks ain't making it. <laughs> but um, uh, Dub Light. Our, our light lager. All right. You know, it's uh, easy drinking, low ABV. I could drink I could drink that for two weeks straight, no problem. All right. Perfect. Chris, that's it. Yeah. I got for you, man. I, uh, I really uh, appreciate you having me on, and I'm glad we finally got this on the yeah, calendar absolutely. and got it done. You know, it's uh, summertime's tough. I know everybody's busy. That's true. That's true. And, Thank uh, you, man. I got these animals here at Common Roots today, and uh, – you know, we're, we're going to yeah. go get drunk now. Going to that. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brewer World Order Podcast here with Chris Candiano, co-owner of Destination Home Brewing Company in Bayshore. Thank you, brother. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Chris Candiano, co-owner of Destination Unknown Beer Company in Bayshore, New York. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should check those guys out. Give them a follow on social media as well, and you can see some of the funny names of the beers that they come out with like Chris was talking about in the podcast. Every other Sunday, I'm releasing a new episode. Subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Check our YouTube channel out where you get to watch videos of me interview brewery owners. That's what this podcast does, and that's what we'll continue to do. While you're at it, give us a follow on social media as well. I'm always posting updates on the podcast on there. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brewer World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.